Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I talk about the inner workings of the entertainment industry with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and it's great to be back with new episodes of the podcast. It seems like yesterday that I just aired the the season finale back at the end of May, yet here we are near the end of July with new episodes. The show originally wasn't going to come back until the end of August, but as I was thinking about it and I realized that you know, all these conventions are happening, you know, not just across the country, but across the world. And a lot of notable guests go to these conventions more regularly than you might think. And I thought to myself, and I, I do this periodically, and I'm sure every podcaster who's listening to this does the same thing. I've sent out a huge mass of emails and I said to myself, if I get any responses and interviews come out of them, then I will bring the show back early. So here we are. The show is back about a month early with a really exciting guest and one that I've been really looking forward to ever since we set up the interview. And that's with actor Richard Epcar, mostly known for his voice work, though he has done um, on-camera work as well. He has... Uh, a ton of IMDb credits. Just go to his IMDb page and you'll be blown away by the amount of characters that he's voiced, not just in um, animation, but in anime and in video games as well, in addition to his his live action work. And it was just a, a great opportunity to get to talk with him and pick his brain about you know, how he got into the acting world, voice acting specifically, uh, really learned a lot, especially about the uh, video game side of voice acting. Learned a lot of things that I, I didn't know about. And we just had, I think, an amazing conversation. And hopefully you all will enjoy it as much as I had of being a part of it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Richard Epcar. Happy to be here with my very special guest this week, voice actor Richard Epcar. Richard, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. No, abs absolutely. And, you know, we were just talking. Um, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can see the the James Bond posters in, uh, in Richard's background. And it, it brings back a flood of memories because, you know, my, my dad was a, a huge James Bond fan. So I feel like those were on TV all the time growing up. Yeah. Well, your dad has good taste, and you told me he likes Connery. It was his favorite Bond. He's my yeah. favorite Bond. Yeah, so he, yeah, and he, he's mine as well. You know, a lot of them have their, their pros and their cons, but when you think yeah. of the overall package, I think Sean Connery's still still the best. He's the Goldbard standard as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, he, uh, you know, honestly, I do enjoy them all. I, I, uh, I'm glad they, they are continuing to make them. I love them. Uh, I want to see more of them. Uh, I never get uh, bored of it, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to be the next Bond. I have a few ideas of my own who I would pick, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm glad they're continuing on with the legacy. And like I say, I, I enjoy all the Bond movies. Sean is my favorite and he is the gold bar standard as far as I'm concerned. But uh, like, I do enjoy all of the, everything, all of these actors have brought to the role. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of acting, what was it that initially made you want to pursue acting in the first place? Well, 
you know, I, I've kind of always wanted to be an actor. Even when I was a little kid, I had, uh, I was in uh, kindergarten or first grade and I had, I wrote these little skits and then we would perform in front of the class. And uh, usually they were comedic in nature and uh, the class just loved them. And, uh, you know, I just enjoyed doing that so much. And, uh, and then uh, my mom passed away. I was getting back to James Bond, actually. My mom passed away when I was uh, 15. And my sister uh, said, let's go see a movie to get our mind off of it. And uh, we went to see Goldfinger. And that was the first time I'd seen a James Bond movie. And that blew me away. And then I thought, well, I either want to be a secret agent or I want to be an actor. But I'm 6'6", so I wouldn't make a very good secret agent. I'd kind of stick out a little bit. I think they would, could pick me off easily in a crowd. I could play one in a movie, but I don't, I don't think I could be one in real life. I can't blend in that well. So... Uh, uh, you know, I just I pursued it. And uh, when I went to college, uh, my stepmom at the time told me, uh, you know, don't don't be an actor. It's a terrible profession. You'll never make a living, you know, all that stuff. And I was an OK artist. So she kind of convinced me to go into commercial art. And uh, so I studied that briefly. The art department was next to the drama department. They had an audition thing for the Crucible. So I went and audition and I got the lead in that. And the uh, the dean pulled me aside and said, "Hey, you know, you know, what's your what's your major?" I said, "Art." He said, "He said if you change your major to performing arts, I'll give you a full scholarship." So I said, "Okay, done." <laughs> <laughs> I figured, well, they can't they can't uh, you know they can't give me a hard time about that because uh, you know I'm paying for college, right? So, so that turned out uh, really well actually, and uh, I I did a lot of you know leads and plays in college and. And I started to do some TV shows there. That's how I got my SAG card over there. And uh, then I moved to L.A. And uh, I honestly uh, thought I was going to do more on-camera stuff. I did do some uh, films and television and some soaps. I did a lot of soaps for some reason. Uh, but uh, my wife kind of got me into the voice thing. And uh, it's it's basically stuck. And I've uh, I've been doing this nonstop for, you know, 40-some years now. So been crazy yeah and going through your your imdb credits your the amount of voice work that you've done has just been insane how how do you keep how do you keep and you're still doing it to this day so yeah. like what what is it that's that's kept you going as far as you're doing the voice stuff specifically i've done over 1200 characters actually in games animation and anime and uh i uh you know, the, the IMDb doesn't even show all of it, really. It shows just a part of it. But, um, you know, I've, I've been very lucky and I'm very fortunate. And, you know, a lot of people come out here and they just uh, they can't make a go of it or make a living out of it. And I've just been very fortunate. I've been able to write, direct, act and, uh, you know, voice act and voice direct and do all that stuff. And uh, it's just been great. And uh, I haven't I haven't looked back. I, ha I haven't had to do one of those, you know, I'm not one of those guys, oh, I had to be a carpenter like Harrison Ford or, you know, all those guys who did all that stuff. And uh, I'm very, uh, very fortunate. I didn't have to be a waiter or do any of that other stuff. So, uh, and honestly, when it started happening for me is when uh, I just decided I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to focus completely on this and do it. And that's when things started turning around and, uh, you know, and it's hard. Listen, it's a leap of faith. And uh, I, I truly believe in certain ways it's more difficult now than when I did it. You know, I was at, at the right place at the right time and it was a good 
good time to get into this stuff. But uh, now it's everybody and their brother wants to do this stuff. And it's, you know, when I used to audition for stuff, there'd be maybe, you know, five, 10 of us at the most auditioning for part. Now, when I direct stuff and I get, you know, auditions back, it can be a thousand people for each role. It's insane, you know, and then you have to call through all that stuff and try to figure out who's going to be the best guy out of those thousand people. So it's, it's, it's much more competitive, much more difficult. The good news is that uh, you can do a lot of this stuff uh, mobily, you know, you can do stuff from home now. So that's kind of a nice thing, I guess. But uh, yeah, in, in certain ways, I think it is more difficult now than it was when I started. When you bring up a great point, too, uh, that I was going to mention is that with the advancement of technology, you know, especially in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, like people can take this, an iPhone, and they they make shorts or sometimes feature length films with them. You know, you can yeah. you can make a, a short or a feature in really anywhere. And I know L.A. is still you know, the, the central hub of everything, but, you know, with Atlanta becoming a big deal, New Orleans being a big deal, it's, there are a lot more opportunities as well. Yeah, there are. And, and honestly, if you want to, if you're just one of these guys who just wants to do commercial voiceover or something like that, you can pretty much do that anywhere in the world. I mean, you really can. Uh, for the, for the animation and for the games, this really, LA is really the, the, uh, the capital. This is where you need to be because they, they record a lot of the stuff at the studios here and they want you in the studio a lot of times. And, uh, you know, and honestly, I, you know, I know when we went through COVID, we had to do a lot of uh, recording uh, and I have a booth in my office and all that. I did a lot of stuff. I still do a lot of stuff here in my office, uh, all my auditions, of course, but I do a lot of games and I actually I did a a bunch of a couple of games for companies in Australia and I recorded a bunch of stuff here, you know, uh, where it's not really physically feasible to do that unless they want to fly you there. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, most of that stuff is done in LA and you have to be here. So, right. But I enjoy, I like going to the studio. I, it's more social for me. I get, get to see people and hang out with people. I like it a lot better to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, I can see that too. There there's, advantages and disadvantages to recording from home is like, cause you don't really have to go anywhere. You don't have to fight traffic to get to a studio. But as you mentioned, you get that face-to-face interaction and that face-to-face feedback, which is, yeah, Zoom is great. You know, like what we're doing right now, but it, it doesn't replace that in-person human interaction. True. That's very true. But you know, there are, listen, you know, that being said, there are those days where it's nice just to kind of roll out in your PJs and get into the booth and, and uh, you know, not have to hassle with it. The traffic in L.A. is just terrible. It's really bad. So to not have to hassle with that, and some of these jobs I have, they're way, way out. You have to drive for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half sometimes. You know, it's just crazy. So, yeah, it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you take the good with the bad. And uh, something I'm curious about with, with voice actors and, you know, sure. with all the, the immense number of roles that you've had how much input do you get on the voice so say like whenever you read a script and you're like okay well i'm reading for this character do you develop the voice in your head and then vocally do that or does the director kind of say okay well this is the type of voice that i'm looking for well that is an excellent question and uh there is a lot of answers to that because every project is different so every time you go in there now I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but 
when we do games and we do anime, we never see the script until we go in the booth. So basically, once you're hired to do that job, you go in the booth and you're seeing the script for the first time. So you have to basically cold read a performance. So that's a whole other art form right there. But, uh, you know, there are times where you do get to see the script. If you're doing an original animated uh, piece or series, you get the scripts like you will if you're on camera. You get those scripts and you can study them and do all that stuff. You don't get that luxury when you're doing, uh, uh, you know, games or anime. Um, now, depending on how good your director is, if he's a director like me, I'm always happy to collaborate with the actor. And I always like to know what they're going to bring to the table. If you cast someone who's really good, you should listen to what they have to say because their instincts are going to be good. Uh, sometimes directors have something in their head that they really want to come across in this character, and they'll try to guide you towards that, which is fine. Listen, they're the director, so you have to listen to the director. But uh, I like it more when it's more collaborative and you can work together on uh, on the character. And that makes it more fun and it makes it more gratifying as an actor. There are those directors you go in, they don't want to hear from the actor. They basically, I call them puppet masters, and they basically want to control everything to the point where they'll even give you line readings on how they want the line to end up. And they want you to hit this word in the thing. And, they, and it's just... You know, to me, it, it's the worst kind of directing, but there's a lot of them out there that direct that way. And I have a, an imaginary switch in my brain. So when I get a director like that, I just turn that switch off and I deal, try to give them everything they want and do the job that I was hired to do. And then I leave and I can't worry about it. But as far as it being uh, gratifying artistically, those are not fun jobs to do, you know. Yeah, and it's it's the same way with... You know, on, on camera work too. You know, because I've I've had the chance to direct a couple of shorts, and that's the, I kind of like I like the collaborative aspect of it. So, say like if I was directing you, yeah, I might have an an initial idea, but you're the one who's actually bringing the character to life. So right. I would value your input on what you would bring to the character. And that's right that's the most that's the most fun part of filmmaking to me. Yeah. Right there, it makes you a better director than most of the directors out there. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, I, I think, honestly, a good director, the most important thing a director can have is to be able to communicate with his actors. And some directors can't even do that. And that makes it very difficult. The other thing a, a good director, I believe, should have is to, to, to have an open mind and be collaborative with the actors in his cast. Listen, you cast me or you cast an actor for a reason. So if there's something about that actor that you saw, let let them, you know, let them blossom in the character. Let them come to life. And the actor's going to have a lot of ideas. Now, there are a lot of, you know, kooky actors out there. They want to, they want to, you know, ask questions about every, every single thing. And that can drive you nuts, too, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, the bottom line to all this stuff is uh, if you're lucky enough to get a good director, that's great. But honestly, it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. So you kind of have to be your own director. You have to self-direct yourself and you have to, uh, you know, you have to give your best performance and do, do the job that you know is going to, is going to work. And uh, sometimes you get help from the director and sometimes you get hindrance from the director. So you just kind of have to, you know, pick and choose your battles with the director and you kind of have to figure out 
how am I going to bring this, these words on the page? How am I going to bring that to life and make that real and believable? And that's the bottom line to all this stuff, really, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, something that I, I want to kind of go back to, you mentioned that when you do the script for, for a game character, you don't see the script until you go into the booth. Right. The, fir the first time that happened, like, did, did you know that going in that you weren't going to see the script beforehand or was it like a total shock to you? Well, you know, I, I started so long ago, things, things have changed a lot since I started, but, uh, yeah, it, it happened over a period of time where they, they just, I think it was more for legal reasons than anything else. They just didn't want the scripts out. They didn't want people knowing what they were doing. They didn't want uh, people talking about what they were doing, you know, so they just, but, you know, the, the problem with that is, is that, uh, you know, uh, not everybody has that skill set to be able to just walk in the booth and make it come alive. The ones that have the most difficulty with it, believe it or not, are the celebrities, the ones that I've directed the celebrities, because they don't have to do that. They usually, they get scripts uh, weeks in advance usually, and they can study them, they can learn them, they can, you know, uh, build on it and, and, and explore and do all kinds of things with the script. You can't do that. You have to jump in and just do it. So they have a difficult time with that sometimes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had to direct a lot of celebrities over the years for various reasons. And, you know, some of them, some of them are better than others. There are, there are some of them that are quite good at doing this stuff. I mean, I don't want to say they're, they all suck at it, but there are a few of them that just have a really difficult time that coupled with the fact that when you're acting on camera, you're, you're acting mostly with your eyes. You know, and when you're in the booth, you're acting with your voice. So I have to remind them that the microphone cannot record their eyes. So they have to give me something vocally, you know, and it just can't, it can't be, they could be emoting their ass off through their eyes, but if they're, if it's not coming through the voice, we don't hear that. So that's, it's a, it's a very different style of acting, you know, and it's, it's more akin to uh, theater, really, I think more, it's more, uh, it, you know what? games in particular they're kind of it's a heightened reality it's uh it's not it's not realistic it's a heightened reality so you have to be able to play that and you know of course depending on the game and what it is sometimes they want it very natural and very real but for the most part games are a heightened reality and you have to be able to live and breathe and uh work in that world to make it sound authentic you know right and you've, as far as games go, you've had the chance to be a part of some some pretty notable franchises, you know, like Mortal yeah. Kombat, um, Injustice, Kingdom Hearts. Um, do you have, I'm sure you get this question quite often, but do you have a, a specific favorite role that you've done in the video game world? Uh, well, I did. Uh, I, I really love Raiden in Mortal Kombat. He's one of my favorite. And I love doing the Joker. He was another, just a great character. It was kind of like, yin and yang you know you have raiden who's this very noble honorable character and i love that about him and he's just a he's a very good hearted character and then you have the joker who's just the epitome of evil you know and uh so to be to play those and then to have scenes together where i'm 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 you know talking to myself as these characters it's just kind of wild you know it's really fun um but yeah i love those and you know the there's a uh, uh, uh Ansem Kingdom Hearts is a wonderful character. Uh, uh, Akuma and Street Fighter Five was a fun character to play. He's a although he's he's rough. It's like after those sessions, you feel like you're 
you've gargled battery acid, you know, I mean, it just, there's a lot of screaming and yelling. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as anime, I love Joseph Joestar. He's one of my favorites, Bateau and Ghost in the Shell, Jigen and Lupin the Third. Uh, there's so many of them. There's an old uh, a series called Digimon that I did. It was fun. We had uh, played Myotismon and Edamon. Those two characters were a lot of fun. He was Dracula and the other character was Elvis, essentially. And uh, I got to sing like Elvis and talk like Elvis. It was just really, those were really just fun characters to play, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, listen, I've been very fortunate. And uh, I've gotten to play uh, a variety of characters over the years. And you know, and that took a while, too, because when I first came out, they wanted to type me as the, you know, these like a Bato character. All the characters I would do were like, you know, strong, heroic characters. And, you know, I'm an actor and I like to, to you know, you know, chop it up a little bit. So uh, so we got to do, uh, you know, finally, they started throwing me these different characters like Mr. Noisy and the Mr. Men show. And then I got to do Inspector Lunge and uh, Monster and. Some of these other characters that were just not uh, typical Richard Epcar characters, you know, which was fun for me to do that. And I love it when people come up to me and they go, oh, my God, I had no idea that was you. Because I, then, then I go, oh, good. I, I you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I fooled them, you know. <laughs> yeah. And mentioning Raiden and the Joker specifically, like I love the yin and the yang comparison yes. you know because like i you know i grew up in the 90s so mortal Kombat was a big thing for me you know i've, I've played video games since you know the late 80s and was a huge sure. fan of um you know batman and batman the animated series so when yeah. when you were cast as the joker what i like about your voice is that like you put your own twist on it like it's not a a copy of like mark hamill from the yeah. the animated series so uh, was that something that you were thinking going into that role specifically is that you were going to put your own your, your own twist on the character well you, you know what's funny about that that character you know mark has done it for so long and he's so associated with that character um but honestly and this is true to this day i've not heard mark's joker i've never heard mark do the joker really? so um uh when i when i when I did the Joker and I got cast and I was doing it, people were accusing me of trying to sound like his Joker, which I thought was kind of weird because I'd never heard his Joker. So I didn't know what his Joker sounded like. So apparently we, we must have come to the character the same way, but I always think it's weird and unprofessional for an actor to try to sound like another actor playing a character. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I'm going to play the character. I'm not going to play Mark Hamill's version of the character, you know, that right. doesn't make any sense. Why? No, no good actor would do that. So uh, I, I didn't do that. And and then I, and then I have to say, it was funny. Uh, somebody accused me recently on the internet of that again. And I said, once again, I said, well, thank you for the compliment, but I have not heard Mark's Joker. And Mark Hamill came on and said, well, I've heard yours and it's wonderful. So I thought, what a, what a nice guy. I mean, what an incredibly nice man to say that. He didn't have to say that. He didn't even have to get involved in that conversation, but he did. And he that was very kind of him because, uh, you know, when I first did it, I got a lot of heat for doing it. I mean, you know, people did not like that. I was doing the Joker, but I, I won a lot of people over. Now a lot of people like my Joker the best. So that's kind of nice. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, when people say that, they go, are you intimidated? Are you scared? It's like, no, because you're, you're doing your version of that character. 
It's like everybody's Hamlet is going to be different. And like we were talking about James Bond, there's six actors that played James Bond. They all brought something different to the character. They weren't trying to play Sean Connery playing James Bond. That would be ridiculous, right? Right. So they they all brought their own personal thing to that character. And I think it's wonderful what they've done, you know? Yeah, no, and I think that's very well said. And I, I, I don't get why people were comparing your take of the Joker with Mark Hamill's because I've heard both and they're not the same. But but you 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 bring up a great point though in that you know yeah he's so been associated with that character for so long but you shouldn't yeah. want you know uh, cuz eventually other people are going to play that character. You shouldn't want every iteration to be the same. It's the same way with the different, you know, actors who have played Batman. Yeah. Not everybody's exactly the same as Adam West or Michael Keaton for Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. no, that, that's yeah, just that's true. true. I mean, everybody's going to bring a little of themselves to those characters. And, yes. and that's what makes it unique. You know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, impersonating another actor playing a character. That just, that, how does that work? That's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that was interesting. Um, you know, the way I got that part, I got, I just want to digress real quickly about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bridget, Berdine, who's no longer with us, was a lovely, wonderful lady. And uh, she was, uh, you know, every once in a while you have an angel in this business who looks out for you. She was one of my angels. And she would bring me into to all the auditions that she could. I mean, she was great. And she brought me into this audition. It, it was Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. That was the, the first one I did. And that was over 15 years ago, if you can believe that. And uh, I went in there and they basically, they had Warner Brothers on the horn, they had uh, NetherRealm Studios on the horn, and they had DC Comics on the horn. And they, she said, Richard, they want you to read for all of the characters, all the, all the Mortal Kombat characters and all the DC uh, Universe characters. So I had to audition for each and every character. And uh, they were all listening to it. And at the end of it, and when, for some reason, when I did the Joker, I never tried to do the Joker's voice before. This crazy voice just came out of me and the laugh and everything. I had no idea where that came from, to tell you the truth. But uh, anyway, at the end of it, she pulls me aside and she goes, uh, they like you for everything. What would you like to do? Well, they never ask the actor what they like. to do. They don't care what the actor wants to do. It's usually up to the producers or the directors. But I said, well, honestly, I love doing the Joker because it was almost like an out-of-body experience when I did it. I was just like, this whole thing kind of took over. And then uh, when I did uh, Raiden, I really loved doing Raiden too. And literally a couple of days later, they called me and booked me for both those characters. And I've been playing them ever since for 15 years. So it was it was kind of crazy. Uh, so that was that was an amazing, uh, amazing experience. And uh, and I've loved every every second of it. I really have. That's incredible. I, I and definitely props to you know you having somebody that is willing to look out for you like that. So, I, yeah, Lord knows that, we need more people like that in this world. That's yeah, that's very rare. And uh, you know, it, it's it's sad because you know there were there were some people. I have, sadly she's uh, she's passed away, but uh, you know there were there were some people like that. Um, but, you know, things get changed around and you could be in a big franchise. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm always I'm always thankful and grateful that I'm I'm still going and people know me. And, you know, because there's you have no idea, you know, uh, people that are not in the business, they think there's a continuity to this stuff. There's not. It's just so much of this is luck. They have no idea how much of this is luck because uh, 
you'll be doing a, a project for a company and they'll love you. And then they'll, the next project will come along and a different company will be involved. And then now this, this new company, they want to put their own, I want to say stink on it. And they want to, you know, they want to do their own version of this thing. So they'll, they'll change it all up and cast all new people. And a lot of times the fans hate that because the fans like continuity. They want, they want continuity, but uh, you know, uh, there's nothing you can do about that stuff. And everybody has their own idea of what these characters should sound like or whatever. And, you know, you can't, you can't argue with that. So I've been so, so very fortunate that I've been uh, able to uh, hang on to a lot of the characters that I do. And they keep coming back to me. Thank, thank, thankfully I'm not getting a word because uh, you know, it, it, I've, I've seen it so many times where it, it doesn't happen like that. Listen, one of my favorite characters, guys, Van Balsar, I did in final fantasy uh, 14 and uh, the next version of it, they took it to England and they recast everybody. So, uh, you know, that, that stuff happens, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm sad about that because I really liked him. I thought he was a wonderful character. Yeah. So. If only we knew the answers as to why stuff like that happens. Money usually. Yeah, that's true. Um, transitioning into uh, one specific live action role that you did that I've been honestly been waiting ever since we booked this interview to ask you about. So growing up, my favorite live action show was cheers. And it still is my favorite show to this day. And you played a security guard in one of the episodes. So tell me how was the experience working on that show? You know, it was great because like you, I really loved the show and, and the, the, the opportunity to work with those guys. And, uh, it was really something. Uh, and I got to hang out with George Went and talk about it. And actually, George Went and I had had a, a, a friend in common. So we were talking about him a lot. And, uh, and he, was, he was the nicest guy. Couldn't have been nicer. Uh, the funny thing was when I, when I was uh, getting ready to, before we started rehearsing, I had my uniform on and everything. And uh, Ted Danson came over to me. He thought I was a real cop. Because I got to tell you, I can't tell you the times I've done uh, roles as cops and they put, once you put that uniform on everybody thinks you're a real cop it's amazing so he came over to me he says hey can I see your gun and I said sure and I pulled out the gun and it was a it was a rubber gun you know and I handed it to him he's, he's going what the hell I, I, I said I'm in the show and he, and he laughed he, he thought it was a real cop so that was hilarious I also that also happened to me on a on a show called Fast Times which was uh, the series for Fast Times at Ridgemont High right and I put a cop on that and uh, I was going on the bus to the location with all the other people. And the producer was talking to me. And then then she, I got up to move and she goes, she goes, wait a minute, you're an actor? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, my God, I thought you were a real police officer. <laughs> I mean, and then there was another show I was shooting uh, in Beverly Hills. And I had the uniform. I played a lot of cops and bad guys. That was basically the extent of my on camera. But uh, I was... Uh, we were shooting in a house at Beverly Hills and I had one of those uh, sheriff uniforms on. And I, I remembered I had to get something out of my car and I'm walking to my car. And as I'm walking to my car, the car slowed down as they were driving by. And I just thought that was just hilarious. You know, it's just, you know, it's just amazing what a uniform does to people, you know, but yeah, working on cheers was, was a great, uh, great lot of fun and uh, to work with all those guys and, you know, it was it was amazing. It was amazing to be part of that. Any of those shows, you know, I got to work with Bruce Willis on uh, 
on moonlighting. That was really fun. And, you know, everybody told me, oh, Bruce is, he's terrible. He's, you know, don't, you know, don't look at him. Don't talk and whatever. He was very nice to me. I didn't have a problem. That's why you got to be careful when people tell you stuff, you, you know, you have to have your own experience. You can't, uh, you know, you can't listen to everybody. And listen, there are those, you know, and I hate to say it, there are more, you know, not so nice people in the on-camera world than there are in the voiceover world, thankfully. The voiceover world, I have to say, 98% of the people are super nice. And they're there to work. They're there to, you know, to get along. They're there to, you know, and have a good time and 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 be pleasant. They're not there to be dicks. And I just, I, unfortunately, some of the on-camera people are not like that. But, you know, my experience on camera for the most part, it's been wonderful. I had a great, great time. Uh, I worked on a film called Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase and Daryl Hannah and Sam Neill. And I had a, I had a wonderful, I worked uh, two, three months shooting that movie. And we shot a lot of it in San Francisco. And, you know, it was really just a blast hanging out with those guys. We play cards, all of us together all the time. And we play poker. It was really fun. And in fact, uh, uh, John Carpenter, the director, would always see us playing cards. So he put it in the movie. There's a scene where we're playing cards in the movie because we were always playing cards. He just thought that should be in the film. So that was kind of fun. That just sounds like such a cool time. Just you're sitting oh. there with those notable actors, just playing cards and probably just having a wonderful conversation. It was the greatest. And uh, I really thought I was going to do more of that, to be honest with you. I, uh, I do, I do still do an occasional on camera thing once in a blue moon. But I would love to do a lot more of it. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it's a such a such a tough nut to crack. And you know, I kind of I've kind of got stepped away from it to do all this voice stuff, which has been great for me. Uh, but uh, you know, when it's kind of hard to get back into that uh, that on camera stuff if you've been away from it for a while. But uh, you know, like I say, every once in a while, some will happen, and they'll 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 dig me out of out of you know my on camera retirement, throw me in there. So. I do enjoy it. I love it. And like I said, I'd like to do more of it. I had a great agent for 10 minutes and uh, she started getting me some really good auditions. And then she literally, after I, I had these two or three really big auditions, she just decided to retire. So now I've got to go back. And the, and the worst thing in on-camera acting is finding an agent. That is the hardest thing and the most important thing, because that makes all the difference in the world. It really does. And with, you know, listen, with the, uh, with your voice acting as well. I've, I've been very fortunate. I've been with a great agent for many, many, many years and they've been terrific. So they've been, they've been great. You know, they've helped me a lot, but uh, you need a, a similar kind of an agent for on camera to get you in the door. And it's very hard, you know, it's very hard to do that. So. Well, that's cool to hear that you've, you've had an agent for, you know, that long of a period of time. Cause I'm sure with that longevity builds up even more trust. Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. And I did step away from them for a while to see what else I could get going. And, uh, you know, it was interesting, but honestly, uh, the agency that I'm with, they're just such a good down to earth, wonderful agent. And the way I met them was I was directing a big project for, uh, uh Microsoft and, uh, it was a big game. And, uh, I was dealing with a lot of agents, you know, trying to book agents and, Oh my God, uh, I have to say <laughs> a lot of the agents were not very nice people. Uh, and these guys were terrific and I liked them from the get go and they were wonderful. And I, so I called them up 
And I said, listen, I'm not just a director. I'm also a voice actor and I'm looking for an agent. Can, can we meet? So I set up a, a meeting and we, we just hit it off. And I've, I've been with them ever since. And that was many, many, many years ago. But uh, they've been great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, as we start to wrap up here, I, I did want to talk with you about uh, a convention that you're uh, appearing at this oh, yeah. weekend called uh, Kineticon. Um with you know going to various conventions, you know how is it for you being on you know the the guest side of the table? Because I you know I can remember growing up and reading all about San Diego Comic Con, and that's where all the big you know pop culture movie news would come out. But now it's yeah. like you have these conventions that are not just in the the U.S. but they're all over the world now. Um, how is it yeah. for you as as an actor to go to these conventions and it's interact with fans? I, I absolutely love it. I love it. And uh, these fans know more about the shows than I do. And uh, they know more about my characters than I do. And, uh, you know, they're, they're all just super supportive and wonderful. And they, they love to meet you and they love to, you know, I interact with you. And I love to interact with them too. They're just great. Uh, we've been very blessed and fortunate to like you say, go all over the world. We've been to uh, London. We've been to Ireland. We've been to Scotland. We've been to uh, uh, where else? We've done some uh, conventions, crazy places. <laughs> but uh, and I, I'm sure that I think next year we're going to be going to like South America, some other places. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's first of all, it's wonderful to travel. I love traveling. It's something I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. I always wanted to travel, so I love traveling. Uh, and, and it's really fun. It's fun to go to different places. And, uh, particularly in the United States, I go to a lot of places that honestly, I would never go to unless I was invited to a convention. And it's just kind of nice to see some of these places. Uh, we're going to be in connect, connect this, uh, Thursday through, uh, well, we leave this Thursday. Uh, the convention is, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week, uh, uh, what is that? That's the uh, the 20th, 21st. Is that what it is? 20th through the 23rd. The 20th through the 23rd. Thank you. Yeah. So July 20th through the 23rd, we're going to be at a Connecticon, which is in Hartford, Connecticut. And I've never been to Connecticut, so I'm looking forward to that. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they'll have some good seafood there. So check that out. Fingers crossed. Uh, yes. And that's a hard thing. My wife is a, uh, is a vegetarian vegan. And so it makes it difficult sometimes to find places for her to eat and me to eat so it makes it a little tough but uh she's going to be there with me ellen stern is going to be there with me and uh we're going to have a lot of fun and uh, you know we just like i say I, it's really really nice to connect with the fans and you know you hear it's interesting because when you're we're in these dark booths all day recording this stuff and uh, you know it's not like you're doing a show in front of an audience where you get immediate uh, response to what you're doing so when you go out to these conventions these they come up to you and they, they tell you about certain things that, that hit them. And, you know, and I can't tell you how many uh, people have come up to me and said, oh, you got me through a, a hard period in my life. You know, I was I was going I was struggling. I was going through a hard time. And your character really spoke to me and really helped me. And, you know, when I hear that, I just it makes me feel so good. I, I, I'm just really happy that that anything I am I'm working on or connected to helps somebody or, or improves their life on any level, you know, so. I, I just love it, and, and it's just really fun to meet them, and they go to incredible lengths to recreate some of the costumes and stuff. The cosplay is unbelievable, and just to see some of these characters, and you, a lot of times you go and you see characters that you voice, and you go, wow, that's 
that's incredible that you have that kind of an impact on someone. So, so that's, it's really fun. We have a blast. We really enjoy it for the most part. Um, you know, plane travel these days is not, not what it used to be, but, uh, you know, that aside, it's, it's, uh, it's really fun going to different places and, uh, and meeting the fans. And if you're in Connecticut, please come by and say hello to Ellen Stern and myself. We'd love to see you guys. Absolutely. And I, I want to cl- close with this because I think you brought up a great point with you talking about how, you know, people will come up to you and talk about how one of your characters might have gotten them through a difficult period in their life. That's why I consider like movies and I'll even throw in TV and in some cases video games as the greatest art forms to ever be made. Yeah. And it's not a knock on sculpting, painting, because I think all that is incredible and it's a talent I wish I had. But there's something to be said about feeling the emotion that you get from certain characters in certain movies and shows that can't be replicated. Boy, that's, that's really, yeah, that's, that's very good. That's really, I like that a lot. Um, well, you know, getting, going back to what, what I was telling you about when I was 15 and saw Goldfinger that, you know, I was feeling really low. Uh, I just lost my mom and that whole experience, it, it, it made me feel again, feel good again. For, for that brief moment. And, uh, uh, you know, I could get involved in, a, in an adventure, you know, and, and forget my troubles. And uh, I think uh, I think that's really the job of entertainment, if you want to know the truth. It kind of takes us on another journey so we can kind of forget, you know, the, the hardships of real life sometimes. So I think that's a, that's a, a really important aspect of entertainment. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Uh, do you have a website or social media uh, that you'd like to plug yeah. so the viewers and listeners yeah, can follow you? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, please follow me on Instagram. Apparently, that's the important one. I do have a lot of, I do have a presence on Facebook and I do have a presence on Twitter. Uh, but it's more important to me if you follow me on Instagram. I just really, I want to build up my numbers. They're kind of anemic right now. So if you could follow me on Instagram, I would appreciate it. And also, I always post on Instagram where I'm going to be, what conventions I'm going to be at, and what's happening with uh, with different shows I'm working on. So that's a good one to be part of. And uh, and and you can always you know write to me on any of these uh, formats on on uh, you know Facebook or or Twitter or uh, Instagram. You can give me uh, messages and. Uh, Give me, give me some time. I can't go through all of them all the time, but uh, every once in a while, I'll try to go and answer as many of, of them as I can. Uh, I try to, I try to be interactive with, uh, with the fans, so it's, it's good. Uh, but yeah, and you know, that's the best way to, to, to reach me if there's something you have a question or whatever. You can reach out to me that way. Awesome. Well, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat. This was great. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, I'm a fan of your show. I think you do a great job. Thank you again to Richard Epcar for that awesome conversation. If you're in the Hartford, Connecticut area, be sure to go visit him at Connecticon and give him a follow on Instagram. You can find the link to his Instagram page in the show notes. Great start to the new season of this podcast, in my opinion, and we'll be back on our normal schedule this upcoming Monday with actor Zane Haney, who recently starred in a film called Unfix that premiered a few weeks ago at the Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. For those of you who don't know what the Chinese Theater is, it's the famous theater in Hollywood with the celebrity handprints. 
that are at the entrance uh, to the venue. So really fun chat. Hopefully you guys will come back for that fun episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You can find everything in one location, whether you want to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or follow me on social media. Everything's in one location, linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And if you could, please leave a review. The more reviews the show gets, the more visible it is to those who are searching for entertainment podcast. So it just takes a moment of your time, whatever podcasting platform you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, the reviews help. So any, any reviews would be appreciated. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you once again to Richard Epcart. It's great to be back with new episodes and we'll see you guys back here on Monday for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast.